I'm just so thankful uh, that children love the Lord and that children uh, want to come at 9.15 in the morning uh, to learn the books of the Bible and what is contained therein. Uh, what a great blessing it is to see our young people. Well, so far in our study of Philippians, God has provided us with all kinds of approaches to overcoming hurdles in our life. Those hurdles that stand in the way of our marriage team. Those hurdles that stand in the way of the success in our family team. The success in our church team. Or even in our work team. He's shown us that in order for us to be good hurdlers, amen, good hurdlers, we got to become grateful people. I fear that even in God's church, we're just not grateful people. We need to learn to become praying people. Amen? Also to become patient people and above all, loving people. But he's also shown us that in order to be effective, we're going to need to have a proper perspective. Have a proper perspective of your hurdle. Also a primary priority, a providential power to overcome it, and also a profound purpose. Friend, do you know what the purpose of your life is? If you don't, look at Isaiah 43.7. Because Isaiah 43.7 reminds us that we are created to bring glory to God. Amen? Also, he's revealed that in order for us to succeed in overcoming our hurdles, we've got to learn to consistently live for Christ. We've got to learn to cooperate within our churches. And we need to learn that we have to have confidence and trust in God and Him alone. He's also given us the keys to jumping over these hurdles that uh, stand in front of our teams. And those are, namely, diffusing competition. Things like deleting conceit, decreasing criticism. How about demonstrating a little cooperation? But above all, you want success on your teams? How about developing a little Christ-likeness? Amen? That'll work all the time. He's also given us tools for change. He's given us the Word of God. He's given us the Holy Spirit of God that resides in the believer. And guess what else He's given you? He's given you your circumstances as a tool for change. But in the same word, He also has given you a choice. He's given you a choice of what to think about. He's given you a choice of who you're going to depend on. And He's given you a choice of how you're going to respond to the hurdles and the obstacles that stand in the way of team success. Amen? So, He's also taught us that complaining is draining. Amen? He's taught us that we can stifle joy stealers. He's taught us in this series that we can dodge defeat. God is so good to us. And now, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul provides the remedy for one of life's biggest hurdles yet. And that biggest hurdle yet is that six-letter word that's up on the screen. Will you say that with me? Stress. Just saying that word drains me. Amen? Stress. 
So let's read what the Bible says about how we can manage stress, even shrink stress on the home team. Amen? Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, the apostle writes to believers. Okay? He's not writing to people that don't know Jesus. He's writing to people that do know Jesus. And here's what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good rapport, if there's any excellence or anything praiseworthy, think on those things. Wow. Some tools that we find in that passage. First of all, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Let, it, let me say it again. Rejoice. But let's get real here, okay? Is it really possible to be continually joyful in our lives? Are you always? <laughs> Amen. We, we like to think that we can. The Bible says that we can, and if God says that we can, then it is possible. However, it seems like to me that most people don't really enjoy life. It seems like most people, even believers sometimes, just seem to endure life their lives are filled with anxiety their lives are overwhelmed with stress their lives are filled with pressure and in all actuality there's very little joy and here at the Christmas season man it seems like this can be the most stressful time of the whole year think about it at Christmas what do we worry about we worry about buying presents we worry about how in the world we're going to afford those presents. We worry about guilt and relationships. We worry about family gatherings and what's going to be for the meal. Constant worries. So today, today let's take a look at a biblical plan for reducing, shrinking that seasonal stress. Paul gives us here in just four short verses, he gives us, Four simple yet profound statements on how you and I can shrink stress on the home team. Are you ready for step one? Step one is worry about nothing. Worry about nothing. You heard what he said to those believers. He said, be anxious. Don't be anxious for anything. He said, don't fret about nothing. The King James Version says, be careful for nothing. Why? Because worry will steal your joy. And not only will worry steal your joy, worry stimulates stress. So what do we got to do? Well, you got to be one of those people that doesn't always look for the worst in life. 
There are people like that out there, you know. Smithsonian Magazine says that we live in the age of anxiety. I mean, there are big worries that everybody on this planet has to worry about. But there are also small worries that are personal, that you and I have as individuals in our lives. But listen carefully. Worry in its most basic form is assuming responsibility for something that God is responsible for. Worry in its basic form is playing God. Worry in its basic form is trying to control the uncontrollable. Worry is a vain attempt to usurp the power of God so I can get what I want. So you're playing God, are you? All of us are guilty of that to a certain point. But listen to what Dr. Walter Calvert said. He did a study on worry. And in that study, he discovered some things. He discovered that 40% of our worries never happen. We worry about half of the stuff we worry about don't even happen. He said that 30% of our worries concern things in the past, and of course they can't be changed. He said in his study that 12% of our worries are needless worries about our health. He also said that 10% of our worries are about things that are insignificant or petty. And he concluded saying that only 8% of what we worry about are really legitimate concerns. So what does that mean? That means that 92% of what you worry about is worthless. 92% of what you worry about is trying to change the past of which you cannot change. 92% of what you worry about is trying to control the future, which is God's responsibility. I've heard that worrying is like riding a stationary bike. You can be pedaling, and friend, you can be working up a sweat, but you ain't going nowhere. Amen? I've heard that, that worry is an incredible waste of energy. I've heard it said that worry is this, stewing without doing. Amen? You're stewing on it, but you ain't doing it. Amen? So when we worry, what happens? Man, things just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, you're willing to throw in the towel. So I want to encourage you to understand what the scriptures say. Because the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But would you agree with me that that may be the hardest command in the Bible to obey? Because we're all guilty of that. Think about this. Some people think that they're born warriors. I can't help it. I was just born that way. Some people say, uh, you know what, I've got this unique ability to see a problem in every solution, rather than vice versa. They look at the negative all the time. They always look at the worst possible outcome. But I want you to know something. Worry is not natural. You are not born to be a worrier. It's not natural Worry is something that you learn, probably from your mama, amen? 
Worry is something that you learn. You learn it and you only get good at it when you practice it. When you practice worrying, you get better and better at it. So here's some good news for you. If worry is something you can learn, then guess what? Worry is also something you can unlearn. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own worries. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Why are you worrying? So let me give you your first word for the wise today on how to shrink stress on the home team. Word for the wise. In order to reduce stress, live one day at a time. Don't try to live tomorrow today because you just can't do it. That is exactly what Jesus was saying. That's exactly what Paul was saying. And remember that when Paul wrote this, he was waiting in prison for Nero, the emperor of Rome, to give that final command for his execution. Paul had reason to worry. Amen? He didn't know if today was going to be his last day on this planet. He had plenty of reason to worry, but still he encouraged you and I not to. Step two. Not only should we worry about nothing, but we should pray about everything. See, let me tell you something. Whenever God tells you to remove something like worry, when he tells you to remove something, it's because he's got something better in store. If he tells you to remove something, he's wanting to replace it with something that's better. He's always replacing negative things with positive things. So in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and he will give you the peace of God. So what's Paul saying here? Paul is saying, don't panic, just pray. Don't worry about nothing, just pray about everything. Think about this. If you stopped worrying, then guess what you would have? You would have an abundance of free time. And how could you use that free time? Praying. So why don't you use that worry time for prayer time? That's what God is wanting to replace that negative worry with, with prayer time, with intimate time. He says, in everything. Say that with me. That's part of you. Say it one more time. In everything, he says. You see, there are some people who think that God is only interested in you praying for religious stuff. Some people believe that all you're to pray for are religious things. But the Bible just told you, and you repeated it, that God is interested in everything in your life. Every little thing. In fact, that's what a petition is. Some versions might say a supplication. But a petition is a specific, detailed request. I want you to be encouraged today that God wants to hear everything. He wants you to get specific with Him. He wants you to tell Him exactly what you want. You may not get it. But He wants you to tell Him exactly what you need, even though He already knows it. 
He wants to hear from you. He wants to know everything. Most people pray, but they're praying so vague. They say things like, God, bless my life, bless my wife. Amen. You've been guilty of that, haven't you? I've been guilty of that. But you know what happens when you just start praying for, praying for blanket blessings like that? More times than not, a blessing is actually a problem. Because one of God's greatest blessings is drawing you closer to him. And one of the greatest ways he does that is by throwing a problem your way. So if you want problems, just keep playing, praying for those blanket blessings. Amen. But I want you to know that God wants you to get specific. I mean, if it's big enough to worry about, then that means it's big enough to pray about. Amen. So let's remember what First uh, Peter 5, 7 says. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all, say all. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. In other words, unload everything. Unload all your worries on him since he's looking out for you. Amen? So instead of worrying, let's take all of our problems, let's package them up, let's give them to the Lord, and let's talk to him about those problems. Friend, that is how you release the pressure valve of stress. In your life. You take it to the Lord in prayer. I read about where a life insurance company did a study. And they learned that people who attend church once a week. Live on average 5.7 years longer than the general public. Is that good news for you? Does it make you want to come more often? Amen? I mean, I'm all excited about going to heaven, don't get me wrong, but I'm perfectly fine where I'm at too, right? So, people who go to church live on average 5.7 years longer than those who don't, and I wondered why. Why is that? Is that because God has got some divine favor over the church people? I think it's bigger than that. I think it's because people that come to church maybe are a little more likely to pray than to worry. But let me tell you something. Worry will kill you. Worry can kill you. And God says, I want you to unload it all right here on me. Unload all your worries on me. You see, God, who made every thumbprint in the world different, God, who made every snowflake that ever fell different, God, who made every voice print that was ever spoken different, is a big enough God to handle all the details in your life. He is a God of details. He is a God of specifics, and he can handle anything you want to throw at him. He's a God of specifics. You can throw the whole weight of your anxiety at his feet because he personally is concerned about you. So here's another word for the wise. The first one was, if you want to reduce stress, live one day at a time. Your second one is this. You need to understand that there is no problem that's too big for God's power or no problem too small 
for God's concern. Pray about everything. James 4.2 tells us that you have not because you ask not. In fact, 20 times in the New Testament alone, the Bible tells you to ask. Just ask. The answer may be no. The answer may be wait. But praise the Lord, the answer might be yes. So let's pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. But you know what we also ought to do? Give thanks for all things. Verse 6 says, In everything with thanksgiving. Do you know what the healthiest emotion that a human being has is? It's thankfulness. It's an attitude of gratitude. It's being thankful. It's being grateful. In fact, did you know that it is a scientific fact that thankfulness builds our own immunities? So the more thankful you are, the more physical immunities you have against disease. See, you receive physical benefits when you express this attitude of gratitude. On the other hand, ungrateful people typically are unhappy people. Nothing ever satisfies them. They're never happy with anything. Nothing's ever good enough. They are what we call those when and then people. Y'all know what a when and then person is, right? When such and such happens, then I'll be happy. I pray you're not a when and then person because you have so much reason to be grateful regardless of what the such and such is. I want you to be encouraged to write 20 things that you're thankful for. 20, th where's my pen? 20 things. Now we're not going to do all 20, but I want you to take a pen. Do it in blood if you have to, amen? Whatever you got to do. And I want you to start your list right now. And write down what you're thankful for. I'm thankful for my Jesus. I'm thankful for my Janet. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for that meal. I, ha I didn't have a meal yet. Amen? Well, I need to get on that one. Uh, amen? 20 things. And don't forget to finish your list when you get done. Amen? 20 things you're thankful for. And when you get to the bottom of that list and you're grateful for those things, here's what's going to happen. All of a sudden, all your focus is going to be off the negative things and on the positive things. Your focus is going to be on the good things in life. It's going to be off your problems and on the benefits. Did you hear what uh, Brother Chad said in Psalm 103? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Man, you got a lot of benefits, and it's a lot more than 20, amen? But start your list. And if you'll just develop that attitude of gratitude, listen here, you can actually watch the stress level melt right off you. It's amazing. That attitude of gratitude is so powerful. And did you know that being grateful is part of God's will for your life? 
It is. If you don't know what part, if what God's will for your life is, one thing you can know for sure. Because 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So part of his will for your life is that you be thankful. So let me give you another word for the wise. Not only should we live one day at a time, not only should we remember that there is no problem that's too big for God's power or too small for God's concern, but also we should remember that there's always, say always, there's always something to be grateful for. There's always something in your life for you to be grateful for. So worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Be thankful to God for all things. But your final step today is this. Think about the right things. You see, to reduce stress, to shrink stress on the home team, you've got to change the way you think. You've got to change the way you think. Your mind is a special gift from God. Did you know that your mind is capable of storing 100 trillion thoughts? A little bit less for some of you. Amen. 100 trillion thoughts. And get this. You have been given the freedom to choose what you think about. You've been given the freedom to choose what goes into your mind. Verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, of good rapport, if it's excellent or praiseworthy, guess what? Let that in your mind. Think on those things. See, you need to choose what you think about. You need to make a deliberate choice about what you think about. And you need to think about the right things, not the wrong things. You need to think about the uplifting things, not the depressing things. You're in control of what you think about. And what you put in your mind matters. What you put in your mind makes a difference. It affects your life. Is it any wonder that some people are just under so much stress? I mean, think about it. They're putting all kind, letting all kind of garbage come into their mind, all that stuff that, that brings them down. Is it any wonder that they're depressed? You see, what you think affects how you feel. And what you feel affects how you act. So friend, let me tell you something. You've got to guard your mind. You have got to get to the point where you're keeping your mind on the right things. You have got to do what the Bible says and fill your mind with positive things. Good things. You've got to get to the point, friend, where you are willing to fix your mind solely on the things that are worthwhile thinking about. And if it's not, it ain't got no place in your mind. And Paul says that's going to involve a deliberate, intentional 
conscious choice. You're going to have to take a stand for what goes into your mind. When a thought comes into your mind, you need to say, when the, when the thought comes knocking at the door of your mind, you need to say, hello, is it true? Hello, is it lovely? Hello, is it of good rapport? And if they say, no, it's not, then you need to slam the door in its face. You need to reject it. It don't belong in your mind. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You are what you think, according to the Bible. So what dominates your mind? What, is it that, what things do you think about the most? Just remember that the root cause, the root cause of stress is the way I choose to think. That's how it all begins. So let me give you a final word for the wise. Not only should you live one day at a time, not only should you realize that there's no problem too big for God's power, nor too small for God's concern. Friend, not only should you strive to see something that's grateful for, something to be grateful for, but you should also be willing to know that whatever you think, that's what you're becoming. Whatever you think, that's what you're becoming. So what am I saying? If you don't like the way you're headed, change what you think about. Go in the wrong direction? Well, start thinking about the right things in the right direction. And as I concluded this message, I, I had to ask one final question. What's going to be the result if I do all these things? If I worry about nothing and pray about everything, if I do all these things, what's going to be the result? Well, one translation of verse 7 says, says this. If you do this, I like it when God's word makes it clear for my hard head. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and heart quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. The promise is, is that if you do these things, if you worry about no thing, and you pray about everything, and you thank God for all things, and you think about the right things, there is a promise of a guaranteed peace of mind. You see, listen here. Peace is the exact opposite of stress. Get rid of the stress, increase the peace. Decrease the peace, increase the stress. And listen. People are searching for it everywhere. And all they want is just a little peace. Man, they will try pills. They'll try alcohol. They'll try drugs. They'll try fads. They'll try anything. They'll try therapy. They'll try shopping sprees. They'll try stress-reducing therapies and classes. Anything just to get a little peace of mind. Paul says, God's peace 
is a gift for you. It's a gift. And friend, it's a gift that cannot be explained. It's a gift that cannot be duplicated. It cannot be fabricated. God's peace is a gift that cannot be understood. It is a supernatural gift from your maker. Man, I think I want me some of that. So how do I maintain this kind of peace? Well, the Bible said, through Christ Jesus. In other words, as you trust in Christ Jesus, you'll receive that peace that surpasses all understanding. And listen carefully, Paul's not talking about religion here. He's not talking about just being a churchgoer. What Paul's talking about here is a relationship with the one and only Son of God, a relationship with Jesus the Christ. See, friend, you are made with this God-shaped hole in you. And it can't be filled with anything else but Him. Look at this. It's, it's like... It's like trying to put a, a square peg in a round hole. If you try to put something else in that God-shaped hole of your life, friend, it ain't going to fit. It ain't going to work if you try to fill your lives with popularity, with prestige or power or possessions. If you try to fill your life with prestige, you're going to find one thing. don't fit. It just don't fit. God made you to know Him. God made you to, for Him to fill that void in your life. And when you know Him, the result is that sense of peace that will blow your mind. It's a God peace. And only He can give it. And how does it come to you? As you trust in Christ Jesus. So what's got you worried? Christmas got you a little worried? <laughs> Some of you with big families, I'd be worried about that. Finances got you a little worried? Stock market got you a little worried? Bill Barlow, here we go. The economy got you a little worried? President got you a little worried? What about your health? Has it got you a little worried? What about your marriage relationship? Your kids? Your career? Any of that got you a little concerned, a little worried? What is it that makes you anxious? What is it that raises that stress level in your life where you got no peace? God's plan to give you that peace and shrink your stress is very simple. He says, instead of worrying about everything, pray about everything. Thank God for all things. And make the choice to think about the right things. This cross was an instrument of torture through which Jesus carried your sins. If he can carry all my sins, 
Mine's a long list, y'all. If he can carry all my sins, he can also carry all my stress. He'll give you that peace as you trust in Christ Jesus. His desire is that you give it to him. Don't only give him the stress and the trials and the challenges. He wants you to give him your life. And the promise is that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall be yours as you trust in Christ Jesus. Today, you have an opportunity to take the first step in trusting Christ Jesus. As Brother Howe leads us in an invitation song, it's really rather simple. What we do here at Bethel is when the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to your heart and encouraged you to take that step of faith, you just step up and you step out and you step forward and you just allow me to show you what God's Word says about how you can be born again and enjoy this peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Now there will be many times in your life, even as a believer, where you will sense that peace leaving you. Sometimes it just takes a little reconciliation. Just come back from where you left. You can do that today too. And it would be my joy to pray with you. So let me pray now for you. Father God, I praise you and thank you for life lessons that you give us in your word. Stress is a real deal. It's a real problem in our lives. It's a real problem in our society. Even in the life of a believer. Father, I thank you that the encouragement of your word this morning is, is that we worry about no thing, but we bring it all to you. We pray about everything. And that we can thank you for all things. And that we can overcome the hurdle and shrink the stress by thinking about the right thing. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here today that needs to get their life right, they need a relationship with Jesus Christ, and they've never before done that, Lord, invite them. And Lord, for anybody that needs to be reconciled, I pray in Jesus' name that you would do a remarkable work in their lives as well. Lord, remind them of how much you love them and how that love is unconditional and it's never-ending. That it's unconditional and that, Lord, you love us right where we are. But that you also love us enough not to leave us there, but to change us to bring glory to you. So whatever decision anyone needs to make this morning, I pray you would encourage them to do that. Let them know that that encouragement comes from you and you alone. In Jesus' name we all pray. And all God's people said.